The Bible says in Romans chapter 1 that the just shall live by faith. And in that bridge that they were singing, even when I don't see it, he never stops working. Man will stop working for you. Man can only take you so far. There is one who said that I will go with you all the way to the end of the world. Amen. And I know that many times we pray and we pray and we seek the Lord about issues and we think that they're falling upon deaf ears. But you need to know today that he never stops working. He's heard you the first time you prayed. He heard you the second time. He heard you the 568th time. He heard you last night in the middle of the night. He heard you this morning and he wants you to know that he's not stopped working. He's still going to move upon the knees. He's still going to do what you're asking him to do. All he wants you to do is keep walking by faith, keep living by faith, and begin to declare those things as if they were already done. Hallelujah. Because he never stops working. He's working this morning in this midst. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your presence. Lord, we thank you for the promise, God, that you never stop working. We thank you, Lord, that you said you would never leave us. Lord, that you will never forsake us, God. And Lord, we thank you that you will go with us all the way to the end of the world, Lord. God, I'm asking, Lord, that you continue to move in this house. Lord, that you continue, Lord, to deal with every heart, God. Lord, you're here today, God, to do a work amongst your people. And Lord, we ask that, God, your Holy Spirit would have your perfect will and way. And we will forever give you praise for it all. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen and amen. We're getting ready to take up our tithes and offering now and uh, just prepare your hearts to give. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for this opportunity to be able to sow into your work. Lord, we ask that, God, you would bless the gift and the giver. Lord, use it to further the kingdom of God, and we will forever give you praise for it all. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. of the Lord this morning. Amen. Amen. So thankful for his presence. His presence is what makes the difference. Amen. Without his presence, people are just showing up, going through the motion. But when his spirit is there, he's there to do a work. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with us to the book of Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. And if you get a little cold, I apologize, but it gets a little hot up here. So uh, I had to turn down the AC just a little bit. So, uh, Anyway, Mark chapter 10, verse 46. It's good to see our other visitors that have joined in with us this morning. And we pray that you feel at home and uh, that you can call Lakeside your home. Amen. Amen. Mark chapter 10, starting with verse 46. <clears throat> Mark 10, 46. If you're there, say amen. 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 And they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, 
thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calls you. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What will you that I should do unto you? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Let me read that verse again. And Jesus answered and said unto him, the greatest question that could ever be asked by the greatest man, what will you that I should do unto you? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, go your way, your faith has made you whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. A familiar passage of scripture that we have all read numerous amounts of times that we have all heard preached about. And there's many different various ways that you could take this text. And that's what's so wonderful about the word of God. That each and every single time that you read it, you will find something new. It doesn't matter if you've read the same passage a hundred times. But every time of them hundred times, you, uh, the Holy Spirit will reveal something even more to you about that passage of scripture. But as we walk at our life and journey through it. It is no doubt that we are going to face obstacles, challenges, trials, and storms. And this is the inevitable part of life. This is what they call life. Amen. And if you've ever heard of the, uh, the motto, suck it up buttercup. Because it happens, you know, and we, we don't like it. You know, we don't like the things that happens to us. And, but it's life. And as we journey on this life and as we journey down this road of life, we are going to face uh, those obstacles, those uh, uh, trials, those storms, if you will. And it, but it doesn't mean, again, that Jesus Christ is not there. That Jesus Christ is not there to help you along the way. You see, you and I possess nothing within our own power and strength to be able to turn any situation around. But I'm so thankful that there was a man who lived 2,000 years ago who died on Calvary's cross so that he could turn your situation around. Amen. What the devil meant for evil, God said that he would turn it all the way around. Amen. So, but there is a common denominator for each and every one of us that are sitting here today that is in this sanctuary, that is listening by the internet by underneath the sound of our voice. And that common denominator for each and every one of us is that there is one who is able to meet us at our point of need. That's what's so marvelous about Jesus, that he can meet you wherever you're at. He can meet you at your point of need. So we have one that is able to, to fix us. One that is able to fix our problem or our situation. And I think sometimes that we think that this passage of Scripture only pertains to the one that is lost and undone. And it absolutely does. But even after I gave my heart to Jesus Christ, I'm still a broken mess. I still need Jesus to work on me. I still need him to do a work in my heart and in my life. And I find myself just as Bartimaeus, even this past week, and it seems like it's all the time, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. Amen. But it is a cry that you will always speak to the Lord, that he will never turn you down. Amen. So I want to preach this morning a message simply entitled, Get Up 
and get to Jesus. Get up and get to Jesus. Let's bow your heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you today in the name of your Son, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the presence of the Lord that we feel in this house. Lord, we know that you are here. For your word says that where any two or three are gathered together, Lord, you are in the midst. Lord, you're here today, God, and I pray that we would reverence your presence, that God, our minds and our hearts, our spirits, Lord, would be directed, Lord, to the one who bled and died on Calvary's cross. Lord, to the one who proclaimed and cried, it is finished. Lord, we thank you for another opportunity and privilege. Lord, to be able to proclaim your word. Lord, to be able to stand behind your sacred desk, Lord. God, we realize that we are so unworthy, Lord, but God, it is your grace that has chosen us, Lord, for such a time as this. And God, I'm asking, Lord, Lord, the help of the Holy Spirit today, the true preacher, the true teacher, to come and to anoint our voice, Lord, and give us the words that you would have us to speak unto your people. God, I'm asking, Lord, that you would anoint the hearts and the ears of each and every one that would come up underneath the sound of our voice, and that God, today, Lord, you would do the work that you desire to do within us. Lord, hide us behind your cross, God, and do what only you can do, and we will not fail to give you praise for it all. In Jesus' name, and everyone say it, amen and amen. We find here in the beginning of this chapter the crowd that was following Jesus and inundating him with questions, and it's just like a child who may be around that age of 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, and they always have questions. I remember my mom telling me, that I was always asking questions. In fact, her little questions, 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 full of questions. But yet at the same time, we find these people in the beginning of the chapter, all of the followers and all of the disciples of Jesus Christ that were intimidating him with questions. They were coming out out of left field. It was one right after the other, shooting out to him like rocket fire. But Jesus would always take the time to answer them. He would always take the time to, to teach them the word of God. And we should ever be the same in our walk with the Lord. That we would always preach and we would always teach. And I will tell you today that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have been saved and you've said yes to Jesus Christ, you are a preacher of righteousness. Amen. I've said it before and I'm going to continue to keep saying it. You may not have been called to stand up here behind the pulpit, but the pulpit is mobile. Amen. And there are people that you will come in contact with in your life that I or anybody else that may never stand behind a pulpit will ever talk to. And they are depending upon you fulfilling that great commission that he has given to all of his disciples to go out into the world and to preach and to proclaim the name of Jesus and to teach his word. Amen. But we need to make sure that we are teaching and proclaiming his word. Because unfortunately, too many within the church today are not proclaiming the word. In fact, Timothy, Paul told Timothy to preach the word. He didn't say preach your opinion. He didn't say preach your own beliefs. He didn't say preach your convictions. He said preach the word. And so everything that we should be preaching and teaching should be found within the confounds of the 66 Bibles that are here. And I can assure you that there are enough pages here and enough words that are upon them to help you in your time of need finished word. God don't need you to say and thus says Wayne. The Bible says thus saith the Lord. Amen. Give them the word of the Lord and each and every single time the Holy Spirit will take that word and will penetrate it and touch the heart of those that it falls up under. Amen. So again Open your mouth. He says in Psalms 81. He says open your mouth and I will fill it. 
And in order for him to fill it with his word, we have got to digest his word. Amen. It is the greatest book, the most important book that you and I will ever open up and that you and I will ever be able to read. Amen. And if we digest this, if we eat this Bible here and we take it in, then you are rest assured and promise that as you go out and you are proclaiming the word, you don't have to worry and you don't have to have a whole sermon laid out. God, what am I going to say? He says, don't take no thought of it. As long as you put it in, I'm going to make sure that I pull it out of you. Amen. Have you ever been in situations where you're talking to someone about the Lord and you're like, where in the world did that come from? That's not me. It's not you. It's the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you, who's in you, inside of you, and you are just a willing vessel, and He desires to pull it out of you to bless other people. Talk about the goodness of the Lord, amen, that He would take all wretched sinners like us, save us, clean us up, place His Spirit inside of us, and then say, I'm going to use you to proclaim my word, amen. So Jesus was on His way to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover that was always to be kept. And he himself would become the Passover where he would willingly lay down his life for you, for me, and for the entirety of humanity so that we might be saved. And he had repeatedly told his disciples, if you go back and read at the beginning of this gospel and throughout all of the other gospels, he told them again and again and again of this day that would take place where he would go to Calvary's cross and he would die. It should not have caught them by surprise. But unfortunately, and because the Holy Spirit had not yet descended, they could not quite grasp what exactly it was that he was talking about. But for three and a half years, he would recall their memory back to what he said, that the Son of Man should have to suffer. That the, just as Jonah was in the, the belly's well for three days and three nights, so shall it be with him. Amen. He always spoke of his crucifixion that would take place, of him laying down his life, and also the promise of his resurrection amen but James and John in this chapter wouldn't understand and they asked Jesus to make them a position right next to him in his glory and Jesus would take this opportunity to teach to them the servant principle amen and if there's something that needs to come back to the church today is that Philippians chapter 2 where he says, let this mind be of you. Because Jesus himself was the greatest servant of all. Amen. Jesus didn't come to set up kingdom here. He came to serve others. Amen. And he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. The greatest servant of all. And Paul would tell the church of Philippians, he would tell you and I today to let that same mindset that was within Christ also be in you and I. Amen. That we are to serve others. Amen. Because that, the Bible tells us, is the greatest. Amen. To be that servant unto others. So though he had displayed the heart of a servant in the last three years of his earthly ministry, and he was now on his way to suffer the death at Calvary, the death of the cross, he would display his servant's heart one more time. Can you only imagine that as he was traveling down this road, what could have been on his mind? He knew what was going to take place. He had been telling all of his disciples, all of his followers, what would take place. We speak of things that takes place in our life as futuristic, but when they get closer and closer, they dwell on our mind more and more because we know that it is soon going to become a reality. 
Christ knew that day that he was getting ready to have to suffer. That he wasn't just going to die as in just one quick second, but that he was going to have to endure a, a time of torture, a time of suffering, and would there bear all of the sin of the world, all of the shame of mankind. But yet in this one last event, this one moment, he still would display the heart of a servant. That despite what I'm getting ready to have to endure for the entirety of the world, there's still something else I need to do. There's still one more person that's going to cry out to me that needs me. Amen. So he would ultimately die. And if there's anything else that's been the greatest display of love, it is his death on Calvary's cross. And I think sometimes that we get away from the simplicity of the gospel. Those little Sunday school messages that we learned when we were growing up. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. We walk with the Lord. We, 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 we got and saved. And then we go upon this journey. And many times because we are facing obstacles. Because we face trials. Because we face life. The enemy takes full advantage of that to come in. And to speak his lies and says where is your God at now? Where is this love of the Savior now? Because if he truly loved you, he will not allow you to go through what it is that you're going through. But can I tell you that he hasn't quit loving you and his love for you is manifested when he says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Though I walk through the valley of shadow of I will feel no evil. Why? How can I not fear no evil today? He said he would take me through. I'm not coming to the valley of the shadow of death. They're going to stay. He said, I'm going to take you through it. And you don't have to fear no evil. How is it? Because you've got the king of kings. And you've got the Lord of lords that's living inside of you. And also walking with you. Amen. So Jesus on his way, the Bible says here, came through Jericho. And it was undoubtedly... Hundreds and thousands of people. Now, I'm not talking 10 or 20, but there would have been hundreds. There would have been thousands that would have been following him. And I can assure you that if you were there in that day and time, I would hope that you would have followed him too. To see the miracles that he displayed, to see him speak and talk in a way like only he could, it would cause the heart to be captivated and to want to follow him. So it was the custom of those as well to, to go on this same path he was going on as they would go to Jerusalem to keep the Passover. And here we find when he came to Jericho as it was on the way to Jerusalem, we see a man by the name of Bartimaeus. And this man wasn't just given the name of Bartimaeus, but Mark here would call him Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, who was sitting by the highway side begging. Matthew records the same incidents, but he recalls it with two beggars. But we see here Mark specifically pointed out Bartimaeus. The Holy Spirit would move upon Mark to not necessarily degrade what took place with the other one because he received it, but he wanted to focus in on Bartimaeus. He wanted to focus in on exactly what he said, how he cried out, and how the Lord has stood still for him. And during this time of people traveling to Jerusalem, many blind beggars would have been sitting there to take, a, a, the, to, to take opportunity to be able to receive alms. So you understand, this wasn't just him sitting there all alone, and it wasn't just even that other one that Matthew was recalling about. But during this time, because there was a knowledge that people would be passing through, beggars, blind beggars, would be sitting upon the roadside, all lined up, because, and they would sit there and beg for alms. 
They knew thousands of people would be rolling through. And if you think about it, it's almost like Christmas time. And when there's a lot of people going into the stores of shopping, you have those with the Salvation Army who will ring the bell, who will ask for money. Because that is the opportunity because people are in the giving spirit to be able to give. And undoubtedly, because many were going to keep the Passover there in Jerusalem, they would have hopefully the same heart set these beggars would think. And they thought, this is our opportunity to be able to receive more money to be able to receive alms but notice that this name here was given to us Bartimaeus if you read all throughout the Bible you don't see how many people that had the encounter with Jesus was specifically named think about Jairus's daughter we don't know her name or what about the woman at the the well that Jesus had a conversation with that had been married five times and currently was with a man who she did not even know. We don't see her name. We don't see the name of the woman with the issue of blood because the name doesn't matter. Because all that matters is that it's about Jesus Christ and what he did, amen? But we see here that we are given the name of Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, which lets us know that this man undoubtedly come from some kind of wealth. He came from a good background. He wasn't just like all the other blind beggars, but yet he come from some kind of a family that has status and that had wealth. But it doesn't matter the status, it didn't matter the wealth, because blind Bartimaeus is a picture of the horrible condition of mankind. You see, man fell from the lofty position of total God consciousness. And when Adam sinned, he fell to the low, low level of, of, of self-consciousness. And there, from that time all the way down, even to, to now, each and every one of us are nothing more but poor, blind beggars. This is exactly what man is without the Lord. It doesn't matter how much money is sitting in an account. It doesn't matter how new the car is. It doesn't matter on how many vacations you may take. It doesn't matter about the name that is within the spotlights. Oh, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, do not possess him, that you are looked at as nothing more but a poor, blind Blind because we don't see the darkness of our own life. Blind because we don't even see the darkness of this world. You think about it, those that are unsaved don't even realize what is truly going on in the world today. Those that are in darkness right now, they don't even realize that Jesus Christ is on his way back. And if you think about it, as we, the church, are proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, as we are proclaiming that Jesus is on his way back, you will find that many are not engaged with you. It doesn't excite any emotion whatsoever. Why? Because they are in darkness. But I tell you today that if you know Jesus Christ and you hear of this, something bubbles up inside of you because you know Jesus Christ is getting ready to come back. And I don't know about you, we say it all the time, I'm ready to leave this old world, amen? There's nothing here for me that would want to keep me here, amen? But sightlessness is a, is a symbol of sin. One that is in total darkness that cannot see. So Bartimaeus had a condition that he could not fix. And he is just sitting there as people are going by, doing life, and yet he's stuck in the same position. And when I read this, and again, we always think about it as being only for the man that is lost. But I read this and it hit me. There are way too many Christians that are in the same position as blind Bartimaeus. We're on the highway begging. We're stuck in that position. We're stuck right where we're at. And we look out in life and it seems like everybody is passing us by. 
That life is going on for everybody, and I'm stuck in this position. I'm sitting right here. I've got no hope, and we feel like the world is coming down. We feel like the sky is coming down, and that it is all over, that everybody else is doing okay, and I'm sitting here on the highway side begging for alms, watching everybody else be blessed watching everybody else receive and to be happy. And the enemy takes that opportunity and makes us think that we are the only one, that God don't love us because we're stuck in this position. We're stuck with where he don't want us to be. But we find ourselves also adapting to what it is. We ha these things happen to us, but we adapt to it. And then we begin to accept it. And we think that this is the way that life is always going to be. How many of you have ever been there? And if we're honest with ourselves, every hand would go up. Because we find that this is the way that it's always going to be. I'm right smack dab in the middle of this problem, and nothing is ever going to change, and everybody's going on by, and everybody else is going on with life, and this is just the way that the rest of my life is always going to be. No need in trying to pursue. I love Jesus, yeah, but I'm just going to sit right here and I'm not going to move and I'm going to wallow in what I've got, almost like the juniper tree experience that Elijah had who says, I'm done, Lord. I'm not going to do anymore and runs to the juniper tree and we have all had that juniper tree experience. Amen? See, there's way too many Christians that have accepted certain circumstances and they deem them as permanent that it will never change for them and can I tell you today that if that is the mindset and it has been of me before and it could come there again and again that we are exhibiting faithlessness which says that God can't change my situation and if we're honest here today we would all say that the Lord is able to do even exceedingly and abundantly above that which we ask. That is his word in Ephesians chapter 3. He doesn't tell us that, the, that we have to just accept things the way that they're going to be. And there are times where situations doesn't change. And, but the Lord will always give you the grace to bear it. But God don't want us to get stuck in that position. And think this is the way that it's just always going to be. Because the enemy does nothing more in John 10 and 10. To come to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus Christ said, I am. And thanks be to God, Stacy had no idea what I was preaching on today. But every song has lined up with the message. I am hope. I am peace. I am your rest. I am your victory. I am your deliverer. I am that I am that I am. He's everything that we need him to be. I don't have to run to man. I can, don't need to run into another man because they can't help you. They can console you. They can try to comfort you. They can offer you their opinions. They can offer you their advice, and it may be good, but can I tell you there is no one that can touch me like the almighty hand of Jesus Christ, and no one will be able to ever touch you like him. Amen? So Satan desires not only to steal the soul and to destroy the faith, but he is going to do everything that he can to rob you and I as believers that are in Christ Jesus, to rob us of that joy, to rob us of that peace, to rob us of the life more abundantly. Jesus came to give us eternal life, but he said, I've come to give you life and that you may have it more abundantly. Life more abundantly means super abundant life. I'm giving you everything that you need to be able to walk here and rise above and to walk above that which may be seen to ail you. He's given us everything. 
But yet we believe the lies of the enemy who comes in and tries to steal and to kill. That's what he's there to do. I'm going to make this. I can't have your soul because you belong to Jesus. I'm going to do everything that I can to make you miserable. I'm going to do everything that I can to cause you to worry, to cause you not to have peace. But Jesus said in John 14, I leave with you my peace not as the world give give I unto thee he has given us his peace what kind of peace is this this is the same peace that he exhibited on Calvary's cross when he was hanging there in all of that pain and yet he still said father forgive them for they know not what they do Jesus wasn't up on the cross whining. Jesus wasn't up on the cross belly. But Jesus there had maintained that peace. And that same peace that he had there on that cross 2,000 years ago is the same peace that he has given you and I today. Peace to be able to face whatever it is that we are going through. Amen. As the old timers used to sing that old song, like, peace, peace, Full peace running down from heaven unto me. I guess that's the way it goes. But that peace that they spoke about, peace that, have you ever been around people that has just gone through the most horrific time of their life, but yet they still possess that peace? I know of individuals in my family that have went on to the Lord. They still dwelled. They still maintained peace because their mind stayed upon the Lord. He said it in Isaiah 26, he will keep you at peace whose mind is stayed upon the Lord. And the reason why we don't always experience peace as believers is because our mind gets off of the Lord. It doesn't mean that we don't love the Lord. It doesn't mean that he don't love us. It's because we dwell too much upon the problem, too much of what's going on. And Jesus Christ is saying, hey, look at me, the one who has given you peace. For all of us, Amen. So if we're not experiencing it, it's because we have shifted our focus from Christ and his finished work. And can I tell you today that the cross has opened the door for you and I to receive everything that we need from the Lord. The cross is the bridge for us to be able to receive everything. And when I say everything, I mean everything. Everything that you need today from the Lord, the cross has paid the price for it. And all you've got to do is go by the way of Calvary. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Amen? So we don't have to live in misery. We don't have to die in church. We don't have to just go through the motions. But we can live and we can enjoy all of the benefits of Calvary's cross. Amen? So there's too many Christians that are barely just getting by in life. And he's provided to us all that we need. And he has given us the measure of faith that you need to be able to receive whatever it is that you need. See, there's too many people that think, well, if you'll just have more faith, you can receive it. You ain't got enough faith. Listen, the Bible says that he has given to each and every one of us the measure of faith that we need. And that measure of faith has been deposited inside of your heart. It's been deposited inside of my heart to believe him to receive what it is. That salvation that you experienced was because of the faith that he put in you to turn around and place it back in him to receive forgiveness to receive pardon to receive salvation and that same faith that it took to receive salvation that we walk in and know that we're not going to die and go to hell one day is the same faith that you need to exhibit to be able to receive any and everything that you need from the Lord it's not about the word of faith it's not about naming and claiming it's by placing our faith in Christ and his finished work each and every single day and thus it allows the power of the Holy Spirit to move in your life 
to bring to you what it is that you need. Amen. So Bartimaeus was sitting there begging for alms. Day in and day out, crying out for man to give him something. And day in and day out, man would do nothing more but take money and sling it out. And that money was not going to change Bartimaeus' condition. Man will offer you their advice. Man will pass by you and offer you their opinion. Man will pass by you and offer you this and that. But it will not change your condition. Because the only one, singular speaking, that can change what it is that you're going through is the man that we've been singing about this morning. The same thing that we put on that wall. We preach Christ and Him crucified. And the reason why He can help you is not because you're good. It's not because of what you've done. It's because He died on Calvary's cross 2,000 years ago so that now He can take up residence so that now He can help you. To bring to you everything that you need. Amen? Amen? So nothing will help us. Nothing will bring comfort to us outside of the word of God. Man's idea, man's theology brings little comfort. But the sore will always be there. People can talk to you and they can tell you things. You may be going through stuff and if you're honest with yourself, you appreciate the kind words that they're speaking. You appreciate everything. They're nice gestures. But still and yet the sore is still there. And the reason why the sore is still there is because they can't heal you. But Jesus Christ can heal you. He can heal you. Amen. Luke 4 18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Because He hath appointed, anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. And I can tell you today that everything that is within this verse encompasses everything that you will go through in life. Preaching the gospel to the poor, that is us without salvation. He has sent me to heal the broken hearted. Our hearts break in this life. We go through things. And he has been sent to heal the broken hearted, to preach deliverance, that he has already done the work at Calvary, that you don't have to be bound. As a song they were singing, walls got to come down in Jesus' name. Strongholds come down in Jesus' name. How can they come down because of what he did at Calvary? To set at liberty them. That are bruised. Life has a way of bruising us. We go through things. We didn't ask for it. We didn't necessarily deserve it. But that happens to us as we journey on this walk. But he said he would take us through the fire and you won't be burned. That you'll go through the rivers and they're not going to drown you. They're not going to overtake you. He's come to set at liberty to give freedom to those that have been bruised in life. You see, Christ was sent to deliver the good news. And the good news today is that you don't have to leave the same way that you walked in. You don't have to leave bound. You don't have to leave downhearted. You don't have to leave sick. You don't have to leave depressed. You don't have to leave broken. But you can walk out that door free, healed, lifted up, now seeing, victorious, and comforted. Let me tell you, he wants to do that for each and every one of us. We think it's for that person or that person. No, no. He's here not for a select few. He's here for every single one of us. 
There is no respect of persons with the Lord. He can do it today. And the only thing, the only thing that hinders him from being able to do it is our unbelief. That's why the man said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Because sometimes that's so struggling that it's hard for me to even be able to believe anymore. But God, I know you can, but just help me even in my unbelief. You see, years, day in and day out, he was doing the same old thing. Just going through the motions, receiving no different results. Stuck in the same old miserable condition for God knows how long. Until one day, he heard a commotion coming down the road. One day a commotion was coming down the road. I imagine Bartimaeus was sitting there. Though he could not see, he was not deaf. He heard footsteps coming down the road. I said he heard footsteps coming down the road. These wasn't just footsteps of any ordinary man, but these were the very footsteps of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. He heard footsteps of healing. He heard footsteps of victory. He heard footsteps of deliverance. This was Jesus Christ passing by his way. Amen? He couldn't see, but he could, he could hear. And, and when he heard these footsteps, he heard the commotion. No doubt, blind Bartimaeus reached out to someone. He could not see, and he threw his hand out, and he grabbed, and he said, What's all the commotion about? What's going on? What in the world's taking place? One man said, blind beggar, don't you know? Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus of Nazareth. He's passing by. He's passing by. This man named Jesus. And Bartimaeus, I can only imagine, as he's sitting there and cannot see a thing in total darkness. And he said, Jesus? You talk about Jesus. Are you sure? Can you repeat yourself? Are you talking about the man who healed Peter's mother-in-law? Are you talking about the man that set the demoniac free? Are you talking about the man who oh, turned the water into wine? Are you talking about the man who calmed the raging sea? Or what about the man who healed the woman with the issue of blood? For 12 years she suffered and just one touch of his garment and she was made whole the one that made the deaf to speak the one that made the ear he said you're talking about this man and he can change my position Jesus Amen. thou son of David have mercy on me he hollered out because he knew the one that he had hoped for that would pass by his way and this appointed time Jesus was passing by his way to do a work for him there is no such things as a coincidence. As a one that follows Jesus Christ, your life is led by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus has an appointed time for you and for me. See, I believe in divine appointments. You don't just show up at places without an appointment. But there's an appointment, a time to meet with that physician. And there is a divine appointed time for each and every one of us Many different times all through our life. He didn't say, well, he's too busy. He didn't say, well, I don't feel like it maybe tomorrow. How many times have we been that way? Jesus Christ is passing by our way. And we allow, we, I've been there. I've been in services. I've been at times when the Lord's moved upon me like that. 
and I knew to respond, but I believed the lies of the enemy too long, and I found myself sitting back on this chair, and I said, nope, not today, not me. I can't stand the thought of him not doing it again for me. Uh, he's not going to do it for me. My life is a mess. I may have messed up. I don't deserve it. I don't have all my stuff together. No, blind Bartimaeus didn't say all of that. He knew the one who had what he needed was passing by his way. Amen. The moment that he had dreamed about for so long. The moment that he had hoped for for so long. The opportunity of a lifetime was passing by his way. And he says, I know I don't deserve it. I know that I haven't been good. But Jesus, if you'll have mercy on me, have a little bit of compassion on me of what it is that I'm going through. Bartimaeus was not going to miss this opportunity because this opportunity would never pass his way again. Why? Christ was on his way to Calvary's cross to die. To pay the debt of sin that you and I could not pay. So this opportunity was passing by and he wasn't about to let it get out of the reach of his hands. Psalms 107, 19, 20 says that they, then they cry unto the Lord and they trouble. And he saves them out of their distresses. Can I tell you, we focus in on the part where it says and they saved them out of their distresses. But what do you have to do first? You've got to cry unto the Lord in your trouble. You're never going to be saved from the distresses. You're never going to be saved from the problems that you're going through if we don't first cry unto the Lord. And he sent his word and he healed them and delivered them from their destruction. See, the word distresses and destructions are in plural form, meaning that it isn't just one thing or even one person, but his promise to save and to heal is to all and all. And there are some of you that have cried unto the Lord before, and you thought somehow that Christ didn't hear you. Some of you have even given up and asking for what it is that you need from the Lord because the enemy has convinced you it is never, ever, ever going to happen to you. Don't you think that the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years may have thought the same thing? Or what about the man in Acts chapter 3 that was laying at the gate of beautiful and for 40 years he was brought there and had to beg for alms? Yet with both of them came that appointed time. And we don't like it when we have to wait. And many times when Jesus is passing by because we've gotten frustrated or because we've gotten angry, we have failed to cry out unto him and to receive what it is that he has for us. Matthew 7, 7 through 8. His word here, ask and you shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you for everyone who asks is receives and he who seeks will find and to him who knocks it shall be opened unto you see the literal translation of this in the Greek it says don't stop asking and don't stop seeking and don't stop knocking <clears throat> keep going back before the Lord it's like your child that comes to you dad can I have this no leave me alone they leave 15 minutes later they're coming back dad what about now no I said no okay Daddy, will you please? I know. But then all of a sudden, that one time they come, and what does the dad usually do? He gives in. I can only imagine, and I hope that I will be strong-willed, but as Jeremiah grows up, I hope that I can stand firm, but more than likely, he tears me down. He knows my weaknesses. All he has to do is smile at me, and he can have the whole entire world. <laughs> But yet we're told here to keep asking, keep believing, keep knocking on the door. 
See, we think we're getting on God's nerves. You're not getting on God's nerves when you come to him and you ask and you see. Keep knocking on that door. Listen, I want the Lord to think that I ain't nothing but a pest. You know them old people that keeps coming to the door and they won't just leave. You're trying to be silent, hoping they'll go away. And they keep knocking at the door until finally you go open up the door. You go, yeah, what is it? Keep knocking. Keep speaking. Keep asking. I don't care how long it's done. Don't stop believing. Don't stop asking. Because the word tells us that if we don't stop, he will reward us. You see, we many all around him, Bartimaeus, many that was around him that day. They said, hush, the Bible says. Shut up, beggar. Be quiet. You're getting on my nerves. Jesus don't have no time for you. And Bartimaeus, you know, probably thought, well, you old religious people, y'all sit over there, you act all dignified all you want to. And I'm sure that some of the blind beggars were around him thinking, leave him alone, he's too important for you, you're nothing. And he said, you can keep sitting there all you want to, but I've come to get a miracle. I've come to receive from the Lord. He's passing by my way. I may not get this opportunity anymore. So you sit there and be quiet all you want. Jesus! Thou son of David, have mercy on me. He didn't cry it out just one time. He cried it out twice. And the Bible says that he stood still. Jesus stood still. You see, Christ again was on his way to the cross to die for humanity. And no doubt the weight, no doubt the pressure that was upon him. His mind, I'm sure, was inundated with what he was going to have to go through. But faith screamed out and faith will always stop him dead in his that despite the fact that he was getting ready to die, he said, I've got one that is crying out unto me, and I must answer. Bartimaeus cried unto the Lord, and he got his attention. Jesus is walking, and he stands still. And the Bible said that he asked those, the very ones that were telling him to hush, the very ones that were telling him to be quiet, you're bothering him, but yet he looks at them and says, now go get him. And bring him to me. You know, Jesus has got a sense of humor, amen? And he was letting them know, you think, think you got it all together, but this man needs me. You sit big back and be quiet. You're only robbing and denying yourself of what I can do for you. You need to start being like this blind beggar. And I can tell you that no matter how long you've been saved, that should be the cry of our heart. Jesus, have mercy on me. You don't have to pray a 30-minute prayer. You don't have to have 10-syllable words. Jesus, I need you. The Bible says that his ear is intent unto us that cry out unto him. You see, Christ could have kept going. He could have ignored the cry, but see, had he had done it, he would have ceased to be the perfect sacrifice for our sin. Amen? But yet he heard me. And when I read this about Bartimaeus, I think the same about me. I cried out unto Jesus. He could have went to the holy people. He could have went to the ones that was without a need of physician. But yet I cried unto him, and he heard me. Poor, pitiful, sinful me. And Jesus stood still, and he looked upon me with eyes of mercy just as he looked upon Peter. 
You see, he looked beyond my faults. He looked beyond my sin. And he saw the need that I had for him. And I can tell you that I went back to him again and again. And will keep going back to him. Because he's the only one who can give me, who can do for me like nobody else can. He's never going to turn a deaf ear to you and I. Because a parent doesn't do that to their child. You call your parent, you've got their attention. Why? Because they are your offspring. They are your DNA. They are your child. So the Bible says that he commanded the very same ones again, who he was telling to be quiet and, and not to trouble him, to now tell him to be of good comfort. And how could he be of good comfort? Because he said, Jesus is calling to you. The cry of desperation will always stop Jesus and it will lead you to a definite expectation that Jesus is going to move on your need. And I can only imagine the joy and the happiness that filled Bartimaeus' heart when he heard those words from those people. Be of good comfort. Don't be down anymore. Jesus is calling you. And so, so he had to make the choice. And this is the part we fail to realize many times. He had to make the choice to get up and to go to Jesus. See, Jesus is calling you, and he's calling me. And many times we are on this cloth, if you will, sitting by the way, just as Bartimaeus was that day. And here on this cloth, it was, it was protocol, if you want to use that word, or it was custom, rather, in that day for the beggars to sit here. And when people would come by the way, and I'm not going may not get back up. I'm going to get on my knees. <laughs> Getting older. But they would be sitting down begging for alms. And the money would be thrown over here and it was not going to change their condition. But yet the Bible says that he commanded for them to bring him there. And there they looked at him and said, be of good comfort because Jesus is calling you. But yet Bartimaeus was sitting there and he had a decision to make. It was either keep staying in the same mess that I'm in, stay stuck in the same position that I'm in, or either get up and get into the presence of Jesus. And the Bible says that he got up because of many times in the day and the night they would sleep with this on them to cover them up at night. And we carry the things of life around with us. Our disappointments, our brokenness, whatever it may be. And we carry it around with us. But yet when Jesus was calling for him, bind Bartimaeus, threw it off. Because he knew he wasn't going to never need it again. Because he was coming into the presence of the one that was getting ready to change his condition. So you can't come to Jesus and want to hang on to this too. You've got to be willing to let it go. And many times there are things that are so comfortable to us, they're familiar, and I'm not willing to let it go. But he slung it off, and that's what the Lord wants us to do. Sling it off and come to me just as you are. With everything, with all the baggage, with all of the pain, with all of the sickness, with everything that you're going through, bring it to me, amen. Come to me just as you are. So he had to make the decision to let it go and to receive what the Lord had for him. So why are we sitting today? Why are we not getting up and getting to Jesus? He's calling for you. He's calling for me. And this is an appointed time. And again, the, you're not here by coincidence. You're not here just because you thought you're going to be here. The Holy Spirit has divinely ordered this time 
for you, and he has divinely ordered this time for me. And we can either make the decision to continue to stay back and not walk in all of what Christ has died to give you and I, or else we can get to Jesus and receive what it is that he's already paid for. So you don't have to buy it. You can't buy it anyway. You don't have to pay for it. You can't pay for it anyway. You are just to simply come and to receive what he has for you. See, Bartimaeus had to make the decision to come into the presence of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, over here, he was still blind. But my God, when he walked into the presence of Jesus Christ, what does the Bible say? His eyes were open. Jesus didn't have to touch him. His words spoken, and it changed. You're one word away from receiving what it is that you need. One word away from receiving what it is that you have asked the Lord for. You've prayed prayers for your children. You've prayed for healing. You've prayed for this to go and all of that to go. But today I believe the Lord wants to do a strong and mighty work in this house because he has seen the Christ and he's saying, don't give up. I'm here today. I have heard you. And the only thing, again, that is standing between you and him and rather receiving what it is that he has is an unbelief. Stand to your feet today. The singers and musicians come back. Without us responding to his presence, we will never receive what it is that he has for us. And I can tell you today that the presence of the Lord is here. Amen. We have felt him from the beginning of the service, and he is here now. His word says that where any two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. You see, there was a divine appointment for this day for Bartimaeus, and there's a divine appointment for you and I. And the Greek word I want you to notice in this scripture when it says that your faith has made you whole. The Greek word for whole is sozo, and it means not only to be saved, but to be healed. And we think of this healing as only being in the physical, but... We never think about the emotional. We never think about the mental. We never think about the bruises that we have encountered in the life. And the Lord, though, wants to heal us today. So I'm simply asking you of those that have needs in your life, and I know that we all have them. We have all been seeking. We have all been asking the Lord to do things in our life. Will you ask him one more time? Will you knock on the door one more time? Will you pray one more prayer? Or are you going to count him out and say, he's passing by, I can't bear this anymore. Because what he has, you need. And we can either come to him and receive what he's got, or we can walk back out the door with it. But the choice is left up to you. So as they sing today, I implore you, respond to the Holy Spirit. Respond to his strong and receive what it is that he has for you today. He's all that we need today, amen. I'm so thankful that he's my portion. I believe he's my healer. I believe that he's all that I need. Amen. And let me tell you, don't ever quit believing. Don't ever quit asking. Ask one more time. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you again. Lord, we thank you for your word that has went forth today. Lord, we thank you for the hearts and lives that you have touched and changed. Lord, we ask. And pray, Lord, that this word that has went forth, Lord, would just continue to carry on in the hearts of your people, God. Lord, where doubt may be trying to creep in, Lord, I pray that it would be moved and that faith would rise within your people. God, faith to believe you, God, for the impossible. Because truly, Lord, you are able to do the impossible, God. 
And Lord, we let us be a people, Lord, that will believe you for more, God. Let us be a people, God, that will believe you, Lord, for, for the bound to be set free, for the lost to be saved, God. Lord, let us believe you, Lord, for the sick to be healed. Lord, for even the demoniac to be set free because, Lord, you have not changed, God. And, Lord, we thank you in advance for what you are going to do, Lord, as we continue to stand upon your promises. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen and amen. We appreciate each and every one of you being with us today. Uh, be back with us tonight if you possibly can at 6 p.m. as we will have another word that the Lord has laid upon our hearts to give. And, again, Wednesday night Bible study at 7. We love each and every one of you. Be blessed.